It's possible, possible, that there's nothing to read into Sam Poulin still being on the roster after the major round of cuts yesterday. It's also possible that there could be. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic with DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. The roster was, in fact, pared down to 28. Lots and lots of guys got sent out. Most of them, everyone knew would be sent out. Couple surprises. One significant one. Maybe, possibly, depending on how you interpret it. And that would be Drew O'Connor. I, I had hopes up for O'Connor. Uh, I still have hopes up for him in the longer term. I'm disappointed that he didn't take advantage of this situation. I know there's a broader and undying cynicism when it comes to the Penguins and younger players, particularly as it relates to Mike Sullivan. I'm not a buyer, at least not on some universal basis. I I feel like he'll pick his spots with younger guys, especially if they're sound defensively. O'Connor's not, in all likelihood, going to be a top six forward in the NHL. That means he's going to have to add other elements, continue to add other elements, I should say, to his game since he brought in penalty killing to his repertoire in Wilkes-Barre Scranton last winter. The rest of the guys, you know, I want to see Valtteri Pustin in in Pittsburgh at some point. That's probably going to be an injury thing because he is – more of a top six forward type. Alex Nylander's another guy who scored a lot in Wilkes-Barre Scranton last season, was a real good power play guy for them. Again, to do that in Pittsburgh, got to be in the top six or at the least top nine. You can't be duking it out for fourth line duty and have that skill set. And the goalies got sent down, meaning the ones who aren't Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith, and there are still 982 defensemen on the NHL roster, which I would imagine would have to be cut down to at least 981 by the opener. And then there's Poulin, and and he does kind of jump out at you for a couple of reasons. One, he also doesn't profile as that fourth-line guy, and that's undoubtedly where he'd be aligned if he sticks around, even if it's in a short-term capacity if Jeff Carter's injury lingers. But also because, you know, he's a first-round pick. And just having a first-round pick click, like, when was the last time that happened in Pittsburgh? You know, that you could even say, hey, everybody, look, it's the first-rounder, and he just made the team. It's, it's awkward. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Now, all of this, as I intimated earlier, could be moot. Because 
Poulin's been away from the team on a personal matter for a few days. He hasn't been around for games. And because he isn't physically present, he's also not available for the standard exit meeting, which management and everybody feels is critical when you're sending out a top prospect. What that means is they'll bring you in not just with Sullivan, but with the rest of the coaching staff, with Tom Kostopoulos, the director of player development, and outline a program, a mindset that they want the player to have when they go back, whether it's to juniors or to the minors. So Poulin still standing among the final 28 might not mean anything more than that. But even setting that aside, it's worth noting that Poulin has had a strong camp, that he's been strong on the puck, he's been strong on his skates. Notice I'm using the word strong a lot here. That's the thing that's always jumped out about Sam. At times, he's looked a little bit like a, a headless chicken, particularly when it comes to his defensive work, and actually, sometimes in the offensive zone as well. But he's always looked strong. He even showed up at age 19 with this NHL-looking build, which was crazy. The fact that he added some snarl to his game, the fact that he showed well for Wilkes-Barre Scranton in the second half of the last regular season and into the playoffs, the fact that he drew significant praise from Sullivan in this camp. All of that's progress. All of that's... uh, It's at least setting up the chance that you could have one or more of those surprise-type players that I keep talking about with you. A team like the Penguins that's still founded in the core, with those guys all being in their mid-30s, and even a lot of the supporting cast being like right at 30. You know what I'm talking about, the Brian Rust, the Ricard Raquel types. You need surprises. You need guys who show up and no one knows who the heck they are, but they're scoring a bunch of goals in February and March. If you look back at the last few champions, I'm I'm always referencing the Penguins uh, you know, kids when they came along in 2016 and 2017, but it's not just Pittsburgh. Just look at Tampa Bay. Look at all the kids who've come along for the Lightning and just keep coming one after the other. Why? Because Steve Eiserman built a spectacular system down there, and they nurtured it. So even as their core guys got older, the Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman, and started falling prey to a lot of injuries, especially Stamkos, you know, along would come a Braden Point, and you'd be like, whoa, that seems unfair. There isn't a Braden Point in this system, but there might be a rust. There might be a Connor Sherry, if you want to you know, move a little bit lower on that bar. And if that happens to be a first-rounder who can remind everyone, including management, of the value of hanging on to your first-round picks, so be it. When we come back, J1Q.
Charles and Todd Singleton, who, in reference to last Friday's Daily Shot of Penguins and my longer discussion on the power play needing to really and permanently simplify things by just shooting the puck, Todd asks, if one presumes that the head coach and the players find sense in this, my question is, why don't they shoot the puck more often? Why do they play horizontal, break the box so much? It's weird, isn't it? It seems to me that it makes sense too, but hey, let's do this other thing instead. Now, I can guess at the answer that supremely talented people are compelled to always try and do supremely talented things, and I wonder if that's that simple. You know, Todd, I'm inclined to answer this by saying, well, of course it's not that simple. Of course there's all kinds of other layers to it and inside hockey this and inside hockey that, but it actually is that simple. Because what's happened at various stages of really talented players' careers, and I'm talking about before the pros, they've been able to make spectacular plays. They've been able to make plays that if their passes get through, they're a hundred percenters, meaning whoever's getting that pass at the other end is getting themselves the equivalent of an alley-oop. And that's not an easy mindset to get rid of. If you ever want to see me cringe during a Penguins game, look at my reaction in the press box whenever the Penguins have an exceptionally easy time scoring power play goals. Because that right there, I can guarantee you, will be the beginning of a long, ugly man advantage drought. Because they'll have done something to a particularly passive opponent that'll just leave all kinds of lanes lazily open for them to exploit. And then the next game, they'll face a team that's just, you know, at least mediocre on the PK. And none of those things will work. And they'll put up an 0 for 6. And we'll all be asking after the game, what's wrong with the power play, Sully? And looking to fire Todd Reardon or whatever. And it doesn't take truly great players to have this mindset. It doesn't take a Sidney Crosby or Genny Malkin. It can be just run-of-the-mill power play guys because, again, they grew up being able to do these things and feeling a great sense of satisfaction when they did. There was a point late in the regular season, this past regular season, where the Penguins were struggling with their numbers on the power play, and it became something that we were talking about with them, and Sullivan started mentioning it more often. Sid started mentioning it. And then you saw that one game where they came out and just shot everything. And it looked so weird. It looked like, boy, how can I come up with a good comparison here? Like, like if you handed a master violinist a jackhammer and said, you know, go dig up this street. <laughs> that's that's how they approach it. They go through with it, but you can feel that it's a task to them. That's why I was trying to emphasize on this episode last Friday that it has to become 
more of a normal thing. It has to become something where there's less motion, meaning with the feet, and much more with the puck, not necessarily through the middle of the box. I appreciate the question, Todd. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. Thank you.